Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to Talk, part of the Torn by Sports and Blog Talk Radio Networks. Providing unbiased opinions on all things Utah football and basketball. Welcome to this edition of the Ute Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Grant, and joining me today is Jeff. How are you, Jeff? I mean, doing pretty dang good right now. I can tell you that much. I don't know about it. a great week. I'm exhausted. It was a late night last night, and then, I mean, we're both ballers. I think you were playing late into the night. I was playing early in the morning, and you had a, a, a Kentucky game you, you should have watched last night uh, if you're a Utah fan. Uh, hopefully you got it on DVR if you haven't seen it late and it was a little too late for your bedtime. Um, but uh, nonetheless, you know, can't complain. Nice weather. Talking about, we're going to talk about some running youth success. We've got some recruiting, obviously, to cover um, and go from there. But uh, look, we're, we're going to be on the quick hitters, of course, talk about the schedule, talk about the upcoming bowl game. Um, then we're going to talk recruiting and the recruiting class that uh, – was and um, the major signing that actually has happened as we are we're getting set to record um, and now and then we'll talk so Utah basketball there's plenty to talk about with the big win last night um, as a reminder please do look us up on iTunes and your related podcast player whichever one you're using and, and if you have the ability to review us please rate and review five stars please uh, for those of you on iTunes, um, we had a little bit of an issue, and we had to reset up our our feed. So if you want to go find us, and uh, if you've left a review in the past, want to go leave another one, that would be appreciated. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, the, the schedule. So women's basketball is playing Weber State tomorrow at noon up at the Huntsman Center. Then uh, on Saturday, the youth play San Diego State in L.A. Um, at 4.30 p.m. Mountain. Women's basketball then faces off. And, like, women's basketball is December 29th. So we've got a little bit of time here, December 29th against Colorado. And then, of course, the Alamo Bowl uh, youths taking on Texas at 5.30 p.m. Mountain in San Antonio. Uh, men's basketball takes a long break. They're not back until uh, January 2nd against Oregon State when conference play opens up. So uh, schedules lightening up with the holidays. Not too much of a surprise there, but uh, nonetheless, still plenty to talk about. Um, in other news is we're starting to find out, or we have found out here recently, who's who's most likely to play in the, in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, we found out that Zach Moss has decided to play uh, Jalen Johnson appears to be sitting out. Um, and then the remainder, remainder of the seniors um, that are healthy, it appears they're going to play as well. At least I haven't seen otherwise. Um, so the funny thing about it is Gordon Monson released an article in which he made the title seem like Utah fans are really upset with Jalen Johnson for sitting out. And I was just curious, um, 
are you upset with Jalen? So, oh, here's here's the headline: Is Jalen Johnson betraying the youth by skipping the Alamo Bowl? <gasps> no, he's not. Right? No, no, he's not. He's he's doing what's best for him. Um, he gave us, you know, three years of amazing play, and you don't want to risk. You know, he's at this point, you know, should be a, uh, you know, a, a second day, maybe, um, if not, you know, he'll be a third day for sure draft pick. You don't want to risk injury. We watched what happened with Julian uh, Blackman. Darn logo. <laughs> and you just don't want to risk it. So, yeah, I have no fault with him. I have not seen any U fans online say anything negative about it. Everyone's been supportive of it. And I think we all saw it coming. I, yeah, if he would have played, great, but you know what? Go get that money. Go do what you need to do. To, you know, to better your family. And and uh, we have no, I have no issue with it. Yeah, I, I can't believe. Like honestly, this is something that everyone knew was coming. I mean, there was even talk of him walking out with the seniors on senior day. I mean, this has been a few weeks coming that he's going to the draft. And if a player is going to the draft, I have no problem at all with whomever that player is sitting. If they want to, fine. They're trying to protect their potential livelihood in the NFL. By all means, like, if someone's upset with that, like, think about your own personal career and tell me that you wouldn't do the same thing. I mean, I, I hate that. One of the things that's always bothered me is that we get in this comparison trap and we forget to compare it to real life versus what we think college sports should be because it's all holy and untouchable or something. Um, and that, that just frustrates me. All right, the other shocker that I was somewhat surprised about at Whittingham's press conference was that he said uh, Jason Shelley most likely going to be on the defensive side uh, next season. Um, were you at all surprised by that? You know, I, I, I was a little surprised because I, I kind of felt Shelley was, you know, he came here to be the cute quarterback, and, and it seems like he's very set on that. But, again, I don't know Shelley. I don't know how he is. But this is what Kyle Whittingham does. He takes – good offensive players who are maybe not able to see the field and he turns them into defensive people who players who have a chance to play on Sunday. So I, at the end of the day, no, I'm not shocked. And I think it's great for Shelly. Um, you know, he's been so supportive of the quarterbacks and, and when, even though, you know, he hasn't had his number called, um, you know, especially this year, he's been so supportive of Tyler Huntley. And, and so I would have hated to see him transfer because he wasn't going to get playing time. Hey, he saw what, what Utah's done as far as flipping these offensive players into great defensive players. And so he's he's I think he's swallowing his pride. I don't even know if he has pride, but he's at least taking back say, hey, I'm, I, I came here to be quarterback, but you know what? Uh, Kyle Whittingham sees something different. And I think it will be really interesting to see where they put him. Um, and, and a place where we, you know, we're going to need some people to play with losing majority of our secondary. So... I'm excited for him. I think it's great, but I'm not totally shocked um, that he's willing to do it. I think he, he'll, he'll step right in and and uh, contribute pretty quickly. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I mean, he's such an athlete. I mean, this is uh, honestly, I'm surprised it's taking this long. I mean, I think this kind of tells you how where the quarterback position's been, and I think. You know, it's it's unfortunate he hasn't been able to do this yet already. Yeah. I'm I'm glad. I, I hope he doesn't transfer and that he gets to benefit from the coaching he's going to get on the defensive side. Like you, I mean, you referenced it right. Offensive talent, 
like switches the defense and all of a sudden they're uh, a draft pick or something along or have a good career nonetheless. So uh, I hope I hope Shelley stays and gets to benefit from that. Um, all right. So the thing everyone's talking about this week, I, well, until last night potentially, has been this recruiting class. Um, just minutes before we started recruiting our recording, uh, Clark Phillips flipped from Ohio State to Utah. Uh, he's the number four uh, ranked cornerback in two, on 247, 24-7, and the 47th player overall. Um, and with his recruitment, I believe it takes their class up to like seventh in the Pac-12. They were ninth. Um, if I if I have it all right, you, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, I've been refreshing uh, 24/7. According to my site, it has not refreshed yet. Um, they're still um, at ninth right now and 49th overall. Um, last year they were seventh in in the Pac-12 and 42nd. Looks like they should be right in that same boat, if not a little bit better. And once again, I think you got to look at the average. If you're going off of rankings, you got to go off of the average and not go off of because a lot of these people that are ahead of Utah in the Pac-12 just have 25 commitments, where Utah has 15 or 16. So the numbers don't really justify it in that way. So if you and, and unfortunately their website doesn't sort it, which would be nice to see. But I think they'd be closer to that fifth. Um, you know, six to four range in the Pac-12 if you go by the average ranking. But yeah, I mean, right when we started uh, recording or waiting to record, he, he the, you know, the news came in, and, and that's a huge steal for Utah. This is the highest rated player on 247 that has committed to Utah. Um, and he is, you know, Jalen Johnson, you look at what Jalen Johnson did, we just talked about him. This guy you know, is coming in as a higher ranked player and has all the tools to do exactly what Jalen just did. It's such a huge get, especially for that whole, as we talked about that hole in the defensive side, you know, we can have someone come right in and, and obviously be young, but step right in and, and hopefully not have too far of a drop off as, as we would have anticipated before. Yeah. I mean, that secondary is just getting shredded by, you know, just the fact that players are graduating. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That's how college football is. It's kind of fun of it. You have new players all the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all these young kids that are coming out on the defensive side of the ball are going to have a shot at playing and getting into the two deep and, and regular playing on, on uh, Saturdays next season. So that's pretty exciting. I mean, one thing that's uh, definitely been talked about in the past, and Joseph and I have always downplayed this, but this year it seems to be a bigger deal because it's successful is in-state recruiting. You know, 17, 18-year-old Grant Bagby would not uh, choose to go in-state if I had a chance, right? I mean, it's one thing. Um, I think when if your family's, like, like grown up and then it's always been the school – it's yeah. one thing if that's why you stay in state because it's always been the place you've dreamed of playing. Like, I understand that. But otherwise, like, I'm never shocked when an in-state kid goes out of state. Like, that's what I would have done when I was that age. So uh, I've, I've, I never blame an in-state player. I don't blame the coaches either for losing in-state talent. But this year, the Utes have landed five out of the six uh, – five out of the top six players in Utah – 
and two of which I believe are four-star players. Like this, this is a legit class, especially on the in-state side of things. Um, so I think that's a pretty big achievement. Um, that's where my sits are. I mean, we've got four four-star athletes if you include Jake Bentley. Uh, the one thing I'm concerned about um, is – uh, look, someone clued me in. I can't remember who, but clued me in on blue chip ratios for recruiting and how most of the national title contenders, you got to get 50% of blue chip ratio mm-hmm. recruiting. Well, we're looking at four out of 18 recruits based off. I'm looking at 247, 24-7 right now, and they, we've got four four-stars and 14 three-stars. That's like a 22% blue chip, right? Blue chips, four-star, four four star or better so obviously the youths know how to develop talent and everything but i'm just saying like that raw talent to potentially um always be a contender and everything is is not in this recruiting class and i don't and, I, and this is not something against winningham and the coaching staff look, this looks like it's a great winning it's a winning great utah class i'm just saying that that's kind of I don't know how I'm managing my expectations because the blue chip ratio is a proven statistic that based on that, here are your contenders and it's proven true. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's, it kind of just goes back to the whole star rating system in general, right? Like you look at a lot of the players Utah's gotten historically and they haven't been high, um, star players that have come in, but Utah has a great uh, development staff that is able to maximize the talent that they bring um, but that can only go so far, right? Obviously, talent, we watch, like, in the playoffs, you're going to see teams that are, that, that blue chip ratio is super high, and there's a reason for it, right? The, 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 the error, the, the, what is the word I'm looking for? The, um, the room for error is much uh, uh, smaller when you have less blue chip players. You can recover, <clears throat> you can recover from it easier when you have four or five star players all over the field. You know, you look at the USC game, you look at the Oregon game this year, both those guys, teams recruit blue chip ratio, and those are the teams that Utah struggled against just because they have athletes everywhere. So Utah's gradually getting better at that. I don't think they're ever probably going to be a a high blue chip ratio team. It's just not, you know, at this point in, in the game, I just don't foresee it. It could happen. But at the same time, they're improving on it. And what Utah does really good is if you can get more and more of these blue chip type players and then put your development staff on it, it's just, it should work wonders for these guys. And super excited to see as they continue to get better with it. And you mentioned, I just want to go back on one thing, one thing you mentioned before with the in-state recruiting. Um, five out of the six, if you look at last year, if we look at the top six players, Utah got one out of the state. Utah got one out of the six. So huge, huge jump. And last year they had, similar to this year, they had, well, this year had more four-star players, but they had two four-star players last year, Puka Nakua, who went to Washington, and Siaki Ika, who went to LSU. Then Utah got uh, Samote Peppa, um, and then they lost uh, the Sky Ridge, or sorry, yeah, Sky Ridge High School Logan Saga Polu to Oregon, and uh, Alani Longy to uh, to Boise State. So, yeah, I mean, you look at this, and, and they made a, a definite improvement, and you just can't predict what they're going to do. And I know Utah wants to recruit these guys locally, but like you said, it, it's hard to, 
to pass up an opportunity to go to a, an LSU or a Washington or a USC when they come calling. Um, but I, you know, it, it's it's huge that Utah can keep some of these guys at home and, and become that that hometown hero. So um, this recruiting class has been really fun to watch over the last few months as it's come in and, and finally signed. So yeah, I'm still waiting for those rankings to update um, officially on on their website, and they're still. They're still not there, but yeah, once I get them, I'll, I'll get you the numbers. All right, but nonetheless, I, I will also say this. I always like saying this. Joseph used to hate me for this, but uh, it is just recruiting. These kids are young. Uh, they are sure some of them are turning 18. They're still kids to me, and they're gonna. It's, there's going to be development, whether they're four stars or not, and they're still going to have to make choices and everything, and so who knows whether certain players will play and injuries and all kinds of stuff. So I'm not going to key my uh, expectations for Utah football off of it. It is just a good sign, but that's just my my public service announcement of, you know, go ahead and calm down too. It's it's fun to be excited. That's what, you know what? This, this is a great leeway because I've been saying this with Utah basketball all season. Look, it's going to be a roller coaster, right? There's going to be some highs and some lows, but it's a young team. They're fun to watch. It's, it should be a fun season that if you can manage your expectations well, you're going to enjoy watching the running Utes. And last night kind of proved that it came to fruition, right? We're on a high. The Utes came in and beat Kentucky and got off to a really really good start, too. Yeah. I mean, Utah got off to the start that they needed. I kind of was, I was playing basketball last night, so I was just checking the score a little bit. And uh, I you know, didn't get to follow up. You did watch the game, though, right? I did watch it. I watched it into the wee hours of the morning. But, uh, yeah, the, the team got off to a really good start. Um, historically, I feel like when Utah plays really good teams, they kind of dig themselves in a hole and then kind of get back into it, but it's a little too late. Uh, but Utah got off to a hot start, and, and Booth Gosh played really, really well. He got, I think, 13 of or he had at least the first 10 points, if I'm not mistaken. But he had a really hot start. That's right. He got and, the first 10. And uh, and got Utah where they needed. And then you started to see Timmy Allen take over. Um, you started to see uh, Ryland Jones put his mark onto the game as far as his vision and his shooting. Um, Riley Batten, um, as we'll talk a little bit, he got clutch in there as, as far as his shooting goes. The team played so well. It was super aggressive, and it helped that Kentucky could not make an outside shot. Um, and Utah exposed that a little bit. They, their, their defense allowed them, you know, they were giving those shots. Um, and But Utah did what they needed to. They held on. They withstood some of those runs. Similar to Nevada, if you remember the first game of the year, Nevada came in, and, and Utah got to a big run or a big lead, and then Nevada came right back, and Utah handled it, pushed the lead back out. And uh, same thing happened, just this time against the number six team in the country. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, look, we people have been talking about Riley Jones, right? He was like Utah basket, Mr. Basketball or whatever it's called last last year in high school. Yeah. And then he comes to uh, Utah and immediately starts to play, right? And he's a freshman, right? But he was clutch against BYU. We all talked about it. And then he comes in and he played against Kentucky. He played great as a freshman point guard. Because I was thinking about it personally. I'm probably not as mentally tough as apparently Ryland Jones is. But if I was taking the floor as a freshman and I looked across the side and I knew that there's these guys wearing Kentucky on their jerseys and they're all probably NBA draft picks, uh, I'd be somewhat intimidated. Maybe pee a little bit. Like, it'd be a little scared. 
but he didn't flinch. It's no, impressive. And, and not to mention, if we're going to talk Ryan Jones, we got to talk the fact that he's battling with these rib injuries. Well, not only that, Tim, Tim Allen last, last night said he's also got an ankle injury. That's what I was going with. Yeah, rib injury. Like, the dude's tough as nails. And, uh, yeah, he just gives it his all. And they're, they're just such a different team with him on there. We saw kind of what they looked like against Weaver State with him not playing. Uh, his vision is just so well or so good that it, it, it makes everyone around him so much better. Not to mention his shoot, his shooting's really good. It's a little bit slower release, so he doesn't get as you know as many shots as you'd like. Um, but when people are finding him, he's he's playing the way he needs to. And then you talk about um, Batten being clutch. We haven't we haven't called his name a, a bunch this year. I feel like he's been kind of that. Out of that, that, that sophomore group, he's kind of been the one that's kind of been the quietest. But came out last night, hit some clutch shots, um, took a clutch charge um, in that game as well. And, and uh, this team is super fun to watch. And you're seeing, like, who would have thought that this team full of sophomores and freshmen would go and beat um, a top 10 team in Kentucky on angel side? I don't think any of us saw it coming, especially after the uh, – the uh, South the Coastal Carolina and, and uh, Tulane games, which those aren't looking to be as bad as losses as we anticipated or thought they would be at the time. So this team is just finding a way, and um, it's it's been so fun to watch. And you said keep your expectations. And I know you wanted to mention Calipari and his his compliments on Utah. Well, I mean, he was like, look there, he, Calipari, if you haven't seen it on Twitter yet, was pretty complimentary of Larry Kay and, and the young guys because – the Utes apparently did what he wishes he could get his team to be because it's not like they're big, uh, big athletes and whatnot, but that they battle, they fight for position, they they fight you on defense, and that's kind of the personality that Larry Kay's teams have always had. Mm-hmm. Um, the but he was pretty complimentary. That was it's always nice to hear good things about your team, and honestly, after a certain victory earlier this year <laughs> with the opponent's coach. Um, it's nice to have another coach say, look, you know, they beat us. They deserve to win the game, yada, yada, yada. It's refreshing, honestly. Um, The other part of what he said I liked was at the end of it, and this is kind of where – this is a Larry K. staple. Big lead in the second half. Let's slow the ball down. Let's play some grinded-out half-court offense and use as much of that shot clock as possible. And uh, Calipari said last night that that allowed the Kentucky to get back in the game. And if you were, if you watch that game, you know that's true. Like it's a hundred percent truth. I think there's two parts to it. I think yes, that's true. But at the same time, Kentucky upped their defense in that that last seven eight minutes, and I think that's what allowed them to get back in the game. You saw def- the turnovers in the backcourt because of their pressure, and that upped it up. And and then with that being said, when they're high pressure they kind of took Utah out of their offense. And so they were kind of forced to kind of pass the ball around to finally get into a, a rhythm. Now I do agree. They do slow it down and he does slow it down a lot, but I think a lot of it was not necessarily by choice. And a lot was caused by Calipari and, and their defensive intensity in that last uh, eight minutes or so. Yeah. But the thing is as much as, yeah, I mean, Kentucky deserves some credit for getting, cutting that 17 point lead down and then tying it up, tying it up near the end. But the Utes had times where they could have run 
where they could have forced it in transition and it brought me back. Like I saw those opportunities and yeah. they pulled up, right? No, and that, that, Booth that, got you mentioned his ten points to start the game. That was kind of how they got rolling to begin with, was like, oh wait, we have an opportunity here. Let's take it. Versus Oh wait, coach wants us to slow it down. I, I assume like I'm making up things, right? Obviously, I don't know whether they said that or not, but like it just feels like oh, there's an opportunity. Oh, but we should use more of the shot clock, so yeah. they slowed it down. And that's what I don't like because basketball is such a rhythm game, and yeah. you, you don't want to throw your team out of the, what rhythm they have. I mean, they had a 17 point lead; they're in a darn good rhythm. Yeah, and and, and like I said, I think some of it has to do with their defense pressure. But here's the thing, too. And anyone who's played at a competitive level, I think, understands like when you're when you're kind of an underdog in a game and you've got a big lead, those last and 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 maybe they start to make a little run. Those last that those last ten minutes, you kind of you kind of pucker up a little bit, and you're afraid. You you start to play differently. You play to True. not make a mistake. Yeah. And so, how much of that is 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 Larry K calling it, or how much of that is? Dude, we're a bunch of freshmen, sophomore, and we have this lead. I don't want to be the person who makes a, a dumb it mistake and, and, and on a fast yeah. break. And and so I think there's a little bit of both. Um, and, and I can't say Larry K doesn't do it because we've seen it before. We've seen it a lot. And I think it depends on his team where he feels comfort level is. I think if he has a really uh, experienced team that he knows can, can do it, I think he lays off of that a little bit. Uh, compared to when he maybe has a younger team and the experience isn't there, he wants to kind of hold on to it. And if you played, I mean, I, I coach high school basketball, and it's a lot different than college. Obviously, there's no shot clock here in Utah. But when you play teams like the old Skyline teams and Olympus, like, and you have a, and they have a three point lead with four minutes to go, it's over. Like, because they just control the ball and you don't have a shot clock. And so it, it's just, it, it's a natural thing for coaching to do it. Um, you don't see too many coaches who who don't do it. Um, there are there are some that do that have experienced and had the talent and they want to just push and they don't care and they're not going to let up. But yeah, I think I think they slowed up a little bit. But I think a lot of it too was negated by what Kentucky was doing and what they were giving them. So it's a little bit of a mix for me on, on that. Yeah, I just I, for me, I don't want to screw with your rhythm that much. Right, I think there's a, there's a point. I, I agree with you. There's a point where you want to slow it down. I'm not I'm not arguing that. I question whether we may have tried to do it a little bit earlier, or too early. No. And um, I don't know. I just don't like making players think a little bit too much. Right. Yep. Like you want like the reason the youths are fun to watch is they're so young. It's so like reactive yeah. type of play. Yeah. It's. It's not some Princeton offense where they're running to their spots and just starting to run this offense. It's a lot more free-willing, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't want to hinder that at all. Yeah. yeah it's, like you said, play, it's like playing pickup ball. Yeah. The way they play. They play free. Yeah. They and, totally. credit, and that's where I think Kristoviak this year has done a good job, even with this young group. I think he's, he's kind of let them play. He's kind of being more of that player's coach this year. He's yeah. not pulling people for mistakes right away. Like he's letting them play through these things. <laughs> Who's he going to play otherwise? Another freshman? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's got another freshman. Yeah. So, but you got people that uh, you know they. If you played and you play over, you know, you look over your shoulder. It's just such a. Um, you don't want to be that way, and as yeah. a player and as a coach. So, uh, I like that they they're allowing him to play, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. So. On, on another note, like you were hitting on with Riley Batten, um, some things that back up what you were saying there is I'm looking at um, 
at some like player efficiency rating rating Riley Batten's number three on the team right now uh, I'm 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 putting Matt Matt Van, Matt Van Komen's actually number one I'm putting him to the side because <laughs> he's not really playing but uh but it goes Timmy Allen Ryland Jones Riley Riley Batten so in player efficiency so like those are your your top players there and then when you go offensive ratings uh per 100 possessions Riley Batten is the number one player in offensive rating um so he's he's playing some solid ball mm -hmm. and of course not getting recognized right when you've yeah, got a lot of those little when things. you've got Timmy Allen and Booth Gotch going out and doing what they're doing and carrying the team points wise are the big making like more highlight real type plays Damn. of course Riley might be getting ignored but then he comes in and he makes he makes the big shot to put him up by six. Yeah. And, and a then, big left-handed like post-up yeah, shot big, down there as well. Oh, and Bill Walton loved that. Yeah. He, I don't know if you were listening to him or if you had muted him because I, I, <laughs> I personally find it very entertaining because I realize he's not a basketball commentary guy. He is just entertainment, entertainment purposes. But uh, he was talking about how much he doesn't like small guys mm -hmm. and guards. And next you know it, here comes uh, Riley Batten with his, uh, his left-handed hook. But the other big play was the charge he took near the end of the game, mm -hmm. which, uh, boy, did those refs find a nice little loophole in the, oh, restricted zone review. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it maybe once or twice before. Um, but it is such a – I mean, I, I'm not going to complain because it helped Utah out, but I think if, roles, if, if things were, uh, were changed, I think I'd be a little upset. But, yeah, I mean, Utah – I mean, I, but there's, here's the thing. There's a lot of charges that Utah took that weren't called. Um, and so uh, I know a lot of Kentucky people out there are not happy with it, but they, they got away with a few that should have been called and that, that weren't. And, and, uh, and, but it is a good little thing that they, they're able to do. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that you're, they're able to go back and review it to get it right. Because um, that charge, I mean, we saw Mr. Rex Chapman, homeboy himself from Kentucky, oh, on man. the sideline. So ridiculous, honestly. He was complaining so much. So it was sweet to, to see him just kind of take some medicine. But he's a good guy. Like He went up and congratulated Larry after the game right away. Um, so I have, I have respect for him. But, you know, you see, if you follow him on Twitter, he always has those videos of block or charge. It is the hardest call to make in basketball. And so I'm glad that they're able to review that to get it right, especially with the restrictive area see if their feet are on it or their toe, you know, whatever it may be. So I'm happy they're able to do it, and, and uh, it worked out for us this time. I'm sure it will hurt us at one point this year because it works its way out, you know, works itself out. So, yeah, <laughs> it's funny how it works. Yeah, no, but an otherwise huge win. Like, honestly, a win like this would have put past Utah teams into the tournament when they've been on the bubble or not really there, but like fringe, maybe they get in kind of teams. Not that, look, my expectations for this Utah team, I'm not changing them one bit. Look, this team's really young. Um, I, I'm still going to take a top half Pac-12 performance um, in the Pac-12 conference. I'm not changing that at all. Like, it'll be interesting to see. I think, uh, look, I think Utah fans should celebrate this win. Like, yeah. have fun. Hold on to it. Uh, don't be surprised if they come and lose a game they shouldn't, yeah. right? Remember, this is a whole bunch of freshmen and three sophomores, right? And so many, like, almost the whole team's all newcomers except for those three sophomores. So it's like, you. I don't think it's worth changing expectations, 
like a roller coaster, enjoy the ride. Well, I'm going to say you don't need to change expectations. It'll be interesting to see what Utah can do against San Diego State. If they can somehow pull out a win, then you got to start talking a little bit. Because right now, with how I, good I the conference is, I refuse I'm okay. To. That's okay. I'm just saying, with how good the, there's a lot of work to be done, with how good the conference is, if Utah can find a way to get to 20 wins with that, with a win, um, obviously against Kentucky, uh, if a win against San Diego State happens, you add that to it. They open up with Oregon State and Oregon. Those are good. If Utah can build somehow get to 20 wins, which would be tough, that means you're going to beat some teams that are really good. There's Utah's got a chance, and, and and because of what they've been able to do out of conference. So, don't don't. I'm not saying they're going to do it right now. Hold your expectations down. But if they, can, I'm, I mean, if this can all change on Saturday. If they get a win against San Diego State, my I'm telling my personal expectations are going to start growing and. And like I said, they get going to get to 20 wins. They have a resume that should put them in the conversation. And, and so it's it's exciting. Well, no, I mean, the Pac-12 is pretty darn good. They've been performing, um, I, almost, I would say, above my expectations as a conference. And there's a whole bunch of ranked teams in the Pac-12 right now. And as the Utes go through Pac-12 season, if they finish in that top half, top four, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised top four probably are definitely in the tournament. And then you get beyond that. Like, if they finish in the top half of the Pac-12, they're probably a bubble team at least, if not in. Yeah. And just because of how good the Pac-12 is, and then you add a, a win against Kentucky, and then if they find a way to win on Saturday, holy cow. Yeah. Yep, it's – that's what I mean. Like, um, I don't want to get ahead too ahead of us, so there's a lot of work to be done. But nonetheless, you can't discredit what their resume says right now and their resume – is, is solid enough to put them in the conversation if they are able to do enough in conference play uh, once that gets started here, um, you know, next week. So January 2nd. January 2nd. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, January 2nd. Yep. So, yeah. It's Oregon State. Here we go. Oregon January State, 2nd. Oregon. It's a tough Jeff's already looking tough forward start. to it. I am. I am looking forward to Saturday. And if we're done with basketball, okay. I got the updated recruiting rankings. Okay, they got let's hear it. So, Utah's class now nationally ranked as 36. Went up from 40, or sorry, 36. They were 49th. Okay. So they jumped 13 spots. Last year they ranked 42nd. Okay. So they're higher. Utah in the Pac-12 moved up to eighth. They're seventh last year. Now, if you're going off of average rankings, average star rankings, Utah would be fifth in the Pac-12 and probably close to the top 25 nationally if you go off of that ranking and not off of just the total number of commitments. So Utah puts themselves together probably either one of their best classes or they're the best class if you go off of average star rankings. Pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, no. Uh, plenty of reasons to be excited. Both men's basketball and, and football are, are trending in the right way. Uh, looking forward to covering this running Utes team throughout the season and talking more about them. And then, of course, uh, we'll be talking bowl game here soon enough and actually re- previewing that game. Um, it Look, if you're listening to the show, please let us know. Of course you're listening. You're hearing me say this right now. Uh, please let us know what we can do to improve the show. We could, we'd love feedback. If there's something you want to hear covered over the next uh, little while while we're doing basketball before football season, maybe sometime in the long, dreadful months of summer. Um, 
let us know and and we'll try to hit it up otherwise we're, we're generating some ideas um, we mentioned last week we need to get someone on here to explain what lacrosse is uh, so we can better understand that uh, but we're, so we're working on that but please let us know what your feedback is so we can improve the show for you as we continue uh, weekly uh, we will always try to remain a weekly podcast even in the off season so uh, until next time go Utes go Utes Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.